So it's like a tug of war. I'm gonna pull you over here. Nope, I need you over here. This is the right side. No, this is the right side. There got to be a happy medium. Oh, we're gonna keep losing. We're gonna keep being dysfunctional and we're not going to be progressive and we're gonna stay red. We can be purple. This Alabama can be purple. Welcome in, kids. It is your favorite Alabama political podcast, Alabama Politics This Week, with Josh Moon and... David Person. All righty. Uh, how are things, David? This week is a good week. I'm not I'm not angry like I was uh, last time. <laughs> well, time I, I, I hadn't on. told you any stories. I, I, I purposely right. didn't tell David any stories about things this week <laughs> before we came on, so he wouldn't get angry. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of uh, heated. Yeah, but uh, listen, that thing that you got heated about, we're probably going to talk about next week. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, we got. I was, I was hoping to do it this week, but the person that I was going to talk to to kind of advance the really great reporting by Lee Hedgebeth at CBS 42 uh, mm-hmm. on the issue of the, the trash collection in Valley, uh, yeah. we were, uh, I, I've not been able to talk to that person. Uh, really, really, the question is, I want to know how in the hell are they getting away with this in Valley yeah. of charging yeah. people or putting people in jail for not paying a bill to a private company. So Especially that's really 82 year old women. I mean, yeah, well, listen, uh, I don't know if you've read the latest stories, but, uh, she she is not alone. There were some twenty some others that he found as well mm. that had also. Uh, so uh, yeah, well, so we're gonna we're gonna go go through that. And really, if if you haven't seen it, look, you know, check out uh, just Google uh, or, or go to Twitter. Uh, go to Twitter and do a search for Lee Hedgepeth. Leave it's H E D G E P E T H, uh, mm. and and his Twitter account should pop up, and he's got it pinned right at the top. Read that story; it's uh, really good reporting by him. Um, Speaking of really good reporting, I mean, a guy named Josh Moon wrote some stuff about David Cole a while back, who's a yeah. state rep. Yeah, uh, actually, it's not really great reporting; it's just basic reporting. Uh, the uh, there there has been some movement in that regard. Uh, David Cole, there was an election challenge filed by Elijah Boyd. Um, and uh, on David Cole's residency issues, and for those unaware. Uh, David Cole most definitely does not live in the district in which he was elected. Um, he has tried to kind of fudge that uh, by giving a friend's address when he uh, ran for you know, put, or filed for office. And it was, uh, you know, not not great. He didn't hide it very well. Um, and so that has been challenged uh, in, in Madison County uh, Court, uh, Circuit Court. Uh, there is a motion to dismiss that is probably going to be granted, uh, but beca- not because David Cole is uh, innocent of these allegations, uh, but because uh, they claim that under Alabama law, the court, after he has sworn in, is no longer the proper venue to determine uh, the residency question. Now, it hmm. goes, they claim it goes to the state legislature. Uh, there seems to be some case law to that effect, and uh, and so I'm assuming that we're probably going to get that decision. Uh, there's a hearing set for, I believe, December the 19th in Madison County. So I'm, I'm thinking that we're probably going to get that decision on that day uh, to, to send this thing over to the legislature to be settled. Although there is some question about you know depositions and where those need to take place and things like that. And so I'll say this. They got to do depositions in that case. 
somebody's mm. gonna have some trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this, and but, but it sounds as though, from what you're saying, it moves from being purely a, I'll say, an issue for the courts or a judicial issue to becoming more of a political issue. Yeah, right? I, I, honestly, I don't know, um, and that's one thing. That's another uh, story that I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, get to the kind of the bottom of of, mm-hmm. of what the process is. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've went back searching for uh, other instances of this happening, um, where a challenge was filed post election, and then the the legislature uh, is supposed to go to the House of Representatives to be uh, to answer questions of elections and eligibility for office, and I, I don't know. If there is a committee uh, that is assigned that task, uh, or if the entire body uh, must, you know, uh, come together and and vote on something like this, uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I honestly, I don't know how it works. Um, and so, uh, but that process is clearly in the Constitution. Um, there, that the the that the legislative body is to handle uh, issues with its membership. There are questions about it. The their membership's uh, eligibility to serve. So there, there has to be something that's uh, that's done there, and maybe a court handles the deposition, and um, so we're we're gonna we're gonna kind of get to the bottom and kind of flesh that out a little bit more in the mm-hmm. coming days and uh, okay. before the hearing to see what's at, what's at stake. But uh, I think that's uh, that's where this thing is probably going to end up is in that process. I think uh, so. We'll see. We'll see if he skates. I, you know, it rarely works out uh, that when the uh, the folks uh, that make the laws get to govern themselves, that things turn out well. But we'll, you know, well, well for us at least, anyway. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well for us. Uh, listen, that you know, they can argue a lot of things. They cannot argue that David Cole does not live in District Four. All right, that's just. I mean, he just yeah. does. I mean, he's, you're he's still there today. Right, your reporting and and reporting done by other journalists, I think it's it's obvious that he lives there. Yeah, he lives. I mean, he's, he's he's been in that. They had Christmas decorations at the house that he said he doesn't live in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, I, and the, I, I, yeah, just I don't understand it, man. I don't. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know why. I, the only thing I can assume is is they just got caught living in this district and they did not realize the line had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, after the after the redraw in 2020 and and they just didn't realize it until it was almost too late and then they scrambled to get something done um mm-hmm. and and then never never overcorrected it you know i mean never there, i mean there've been houses for sale uh in you know in the district 10 area uh for right. you know this it, they're not separated by more than you know a half a mile so I, I, you know, they could have certainly moved just a little bit and they would have they would have satisfied the residency requirements. But, um, you know, and nobody would have really questioned it. You know, they could have said, hey, we lived at such and such as address for a month, a month and a half. And then we moved into this house. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we you know, they, whatever they wanted to say about it. But sure. you know, I just got I got the feeling they just didn't want to move from that house. And, 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 but and they, they really wanted to run for this seat. Then they <laughs> so, never put the house up on the market. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's still not up on the market. Still so. not on the market. They 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 put up decorations. It just now what what and I know I know we have other things to talk about. But but one question does come to mind, which is, and, and this may be somewhat of a rhetorical question, even though I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have to wonder. What makes having that seat so important 
that you put your not only that you go through those kinds of gyrations as a candidate, but yeah. you put your family through those kinds of gyrations. Why is that such an important thing for him? I wonder that he couldn't have just said, oh, you know what? Uh, we just, you know, we'll 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 sort it out next next election cycle. We'll we'll run, you know, or, or whatever he needed to do. I mean, I wonder why. Yeah. Why was that so important? You know, I don't know. I don't. Um, that's a good question. I mean, he's a successful dude. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's uh, was in the military for a while, uh, well, for a long time. Uh, you know, now is a head of a you know a group and a medical group, and he's a doctor. He's a physician, first of all, and mm-hmm. so you know he's he, now he's a head of a medical group, uh, occupational therapy uh, group, and uh, associated with Huntsville Hospital uh, runs that. So I mean, they seem to be doing fairly well. His wife is. Uh, is a counselor. Uh, she seems to do very well. They seem to be, you know, well-liked people. Uh, but uh, again, I, honestly, man, I, I really get the sense that they weren't aware that their house was not in district 10. Um, and so they, they signed on to do this. Uh, they'd made the decision to do it. And then I think they figured out that it was just outside the lines. And, um, I guess I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know what kept pushing them. Why? Why at that point you wouldn't say, "Oh man, you know, all right, you know, maybe somebody told them, listen, it's not a big deal. You're right there. You're in the same mm-hmm. general area. Just put mm-hmm. down this address and and move along." Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't know, and and you know, and and to that end, if that's what you were going to do, you won't. Why wouldn't you just move a little bit? I mean, I understand yeah. not wanting to to uproot the family and stuff to move a, a great distance, but you, you're not. Yeah, I mean, literally, it, it's I, 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 Mill Road that runs from County Line Road in in uh, in the Madison in Madison. All right, Mill Road shoots off of it and cuts all the way across most of Madison, the city mm-hmm. of Madison. All right, uh, north of Mill Road is District Ten. I, I guarantee you that I could throw a football from David Cole's driveway in District Four into District Ten. You mean his real driveway? His, his the, the the driveway that he lives in right now. I guarantee okay. you that the house in, that's in District Four that he lives in still. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you I could throw a football from there into District Ten. Mm. I mean, it, it's nothing. It's it's you turn off of it into this little neighborhood, and his house is just right there. And mm. so it's not. I mean, you know. There, there's to move. You wouldn't. You, you, you would get a new house, yes. Yeah. But you, you know, you're saying you would probably. I, I would think you'd probably be in the same school district for your kids. You would say nothing much would change, other than you know they they just would have a different house. Mm. Uh, but yards away, just yards yeah, away. Yeah. 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 I mean nothing. You know, and and so I don't know why. They they made this decision, I, you know, or, or it was just too much trouble, or if it, there, there were other considerations. I mean, and there could be. There are thousands of things that, that could be that I just don't know why they decided to stay there. And and you know, and I guess honestly, at the end of the day, you know, how many people are actually checking the residency of of candidates? All right. But then yeah. it's the it's the you know, it, it, what's so disturbing about it, you know, and I think the reason that it's really good that you did the reporting you did and that others followed suit is that mm-hmm. you just can't have an elected official 
who's so brazenly deceitful and manipulative about something yeah. so small. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's, just, a, that's, that's, that's really kind of, it makes you question, well, where's this guy's, what's his ceiling on yeah. what he's going to lie and manipulate about, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's a, I, that is, that is very, very fair. Um, yeah. And I, and I've heard that from a lot of people. Uh, matter of fact, I think the, you know, the, the democratic party or somebody within the democratic party, uh, you know, had said the same thing, uh, which, you know, on, on social media, which was, you know, if, if you're coming into office in this way, you know, on such, if we can't trust you on something this minor, mm-hmm. how can we trust you on something very major, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to, you know, cause it, you're right. If you lie about this, what, is there anything you wouldn't lie about? You know, what, you know, yeah. I, and that's a fair question. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man, it's, um, it, it, I think it's a, it's a disqualifying issue uh, for him. I, I mean, living out of district would be one thing. If he put the address down, didn't realize it, uh, went through this whole process, nobody checked it, nobody had a problem with it, and then got elected, I would say, well, you know, he made a mistake. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this should be something that we could either just overlook, but certainly not criticize the guy for. It. Made a mm-hmm. simple mistake. He'd always lived in this district, thought he was in this district. Last time he voted, he voted in that district. Okay, that's fine. But to go as far as to put down somebody else's address, you know, a friend of yours or whatever, and and pretend as though that was your address just so you could get elected in that district because you didn't want to challenge the guy who is now your representative, which is Parker Moore in, in House District 4, you know, that's... That's a, another level of shady, you know. Uh, yeah, that's that's and, a little darker level of shady. I and would when say. you do stuff like that as a parent or yeah. as a spouse, you're then forcing other people into your lies. Well, yeah. and and I just think, I mean, you know, parenting is hard enough, but I just think it's really reckless and really, I'm going to say, despicable. Yeah. To to put your children in a position where they might have to lie too. Yeah. You know? Or where they have to keep a secret, you know, you can't tell anybody what we're doing now. This is just yeah. between us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Eh, it's yeah. not healthy, man. No, it's not. It's uh, it's not. You know, you see, you hear it a lot. And matter of fact, I, I covered a, uh, 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 a football team in uh, central Alabama that mm-hmm. uh, um, a high school uh, that were, that, you know, a lot of parents were taking their kids, you know, giving out fake addresses or. Uh, that where they didn't live, so they could move their kids to this, you know, football program, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and I wrote a story about the process of them doing that. And you know, what what always troubled me about it, um, and it was really one of the things that when I talked to uh, Steve Severis, who's a, a executive director at the HSA at the time, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted because they, you know, they asked for the information that I had. And I, I basically told them at the time, I, I'm not going to give you things that if I can help it, I'm not going to give you things that's going to result in these kids uh, losing playing time uh, because, you know, these are kids. They're not driving themselves up there. Their parents are driving them up there. You know, did they want to play for, for Prattville? Yes, they wanted to. But at the same time, they would have played for Lee or Jeff Davis or, you know, sure. not, those, those schools are different now. So, you know, or Sydney, mm-hmm. any of the schools in Montgomery, mm-hmm. you know, um, they would have played for them. And, and nobody, they wouldn't have had a problem. They would have had friends. 
uh, they would have done that, or they would have they would have been perfectly happy to move to Prattville. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and so you, you catch these kids up in this sort of thing, and it's just you know it doesn't it it falls on them, you know, and and it, you know one kid got suspended for several games and couldn't play, and uh, you know I didn't I hated that that was the case. Uh, but, you know, another kid, his father had bounced him around to seven different schools. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. what you're trying to do. I, and, mm-hmm. you know, and this the father was convinced he was doing the right thing for his kid, uh, that, you know, this was his way out. This was his way to college. And I'll say that kid eventually went to college okay. all right? and, and okay. went to went to a major college. Mm-hmm. And um, and so maybe something that the father did in this whole process you know, played a role in that. I don't, I don't know. But I mean, at the time when I was looking at it, it looked like that kid was just being jerked around. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I had a lot of coaches tell me that, that they felt like he was a good kid that has just been jerked around by his, by his dad. And that it was hurting him overall by mm. not staying with the program. And, but yeah. So, so basically that's a very long answer to you. Your, your comment is, you know, mm-hmm. the, the kids, yeah, often, often do suffer for, for those sorts of lies and stuff that, uh, that the parents tell. And, and, you know, I don't know if that will be the case with the, with the Coles or if anybody cares, you know, mm-hmm. but um, ultimately, yes, that's, uh, you know, they're, I, I assume everybody was in on this. I, you know, I don't, hell, I don't know that. Uh, they may not have told the kids anything, uh, but uh, other than he's running for office, although I do know from, from his website and I mean, his, uh, he seems to have a very, very supportive family. Uh, his his teenage kids were involved in the campaign, um, and hmm. seemed seemed from the videos and photos, they seemed to be very, very happy to do it. Uh, it looked like they, were, honest to God, it looked like they were having a ball doing it. So, well, good. You know, whatever. Yeah, I mean that's that's great. It seems like he's good. got you know good good a good family and good kids and and not you know. Man, the man made a mistake, and you know I don't want anything any ill will or anything to come right. to me. But I, I do question, you know, what the decision he made right here, and I think it should be disqualifying for him. Well, I think it, that it's should, only you know. it's only fair. I mean, it's only yeah. fair that he be scrutinized for this. Doesn't yes. mean he's an evil person. We're oh, not no. saying that. No. Uh, even though, again, my feeling is if and and like you said, and you're correct, we don't know. If the children were forced to keep a secret or tell a lie or something like that, yeah. but but uh, assuming they weren't, assuming the best, assuming that they weren't, this still is like, dude, you you're taking our tax dollars, yeah, and you're manipulating the system, and you're and you're deceiving the the voting base, and you're doing this so that you can keep an office, yeah, or so that you can have an office and keep your house. Yeah, uh, uh-uh. that doesn't work like that. No, and you and you know what you, it there there are residency requirements for a reason. Exactly. You know? and, and I and I listen. I and I haven't said all that I just said about being able to throw a football from his yard into that district. Yeah. There's a reason why those districts are separated, though. Okay, and the person there may be in his district a uniqueness to it that you don't have in district four, uh, you know, that the people in district 10 really need a representative who lives in that district that understands their unique issue to go down to, to Montgomery and, and advocate for them and talk right. to them about things. And it, and can David Cole drive to those meetings or drive around and talk to people and do that? He can, 
But at the same time, there is a reason for the residency requirements. Mm-hmm. And I I don't want him to be treated any different because he's a Republican out of this. I want him to be right. treated the exact same as Democrats are. And matter of fact, exactly. I got a story today about a Democrat uh, that was elected to office that may not have been living in the district. And so I'm going to have to do something with that pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Uh, you know, and so that, same that, principles you know, apply as far as I'm yes. concerned. Same I, principles I, apply. I'm doing the I, I'm doing the exact same thing as when this mm-hmm. information came to me about David Cole. I'm pulling up the mm-hmm. tax records, seeing where the homestead exemption is, seeing where the houses have been uh, sold or bought. Uh, you know, all of that same thing. It's the same process, and and if I find out that you know this was the same situation. Um, you know, I'll have to write the same story basically mm-hmm. uh, with different names, and mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. But I don't know, man. It's uh, I wish that uh, that I just want people to do, you know, uh, to to try to try to follow the rules if you can. Yeah, I think we, we yeah. get along a little better that way if we follow the rules. So, yep. um, speaking of which, our major story mm-hmm. uh, that we somehow. Didn't get to for like 18 minutes. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so you tell me if it's the major story or not. Um, is uh, we were going to start with Steve Marshall uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and the moratorium, or is it a moratorium on uh, executions in the state of Alabama? As you will recall, our governor a couple of weeks ago uh, issued a moratorium after. Yet another botched execution uh, in which they could not carry forward with uh, with with this particular execution. It's the second one that they have not been able to carry through with after uh, a third one uh, in which they uh, so sliced up a human being that uh, the people were, you know, the doctors that did the autopsy were shocked by it, apparently. Um, uh, And the governor said, you listen, we're going to stop this uh, until. We, we have a study of what's going on in this process. Now, she made some weird claims about conspiracies uh, that are out there that are, that are taking place and that, you know, she was doing this for the victim's families and things, whatever she needed to say. It's fine. Right. But she said, listen, we're going to stop these executions and we're going to study the process. And we're going to do this. And then this week, Steve Marshall being Steve Marshall came out and said, moratorium, what moratorium? We're going forward, baby. Uh, and, you know, and, and then basically put on a, a short play um, as though he was some sort of a, you know, traveling vaudeville act uh, that, um, hmm. you know, in which he feigned outrage over uh, the uh, for for the victim's families that were not going to be able to see a person executed poorly. Um, and, you know, it was just so it basically said that. Uh, you know, we're 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 not putting a moratorium on anything. I'm I'm oh fine with the uh, with with studying the process, which <clears throat> I'm I'm sure Kay Ivey was like, oh well, thanks for your approval, Steve. Right. Uh, right. But uh, you know, and, but he said, you know, Kay Ivey has no role here, and uh, I you know I was shot. I was surprised to learn that she might recommend a moratorium since she has no authority to do so, and you know, basically directly challenged her. And uh, really kind of threw her under the bus as being, you know, made it seem as though she was a weak on crime governor and, uh, you know, didn't have the whatever you need, lack of conscience, I guess, to to carry forward with botched execution after botched execution. And that he was going to push him forward. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't. 
I, I don't know, man. It, it didn't seem like a winning message from Steve Marshall. That's just me. Well, I think he, he rolled the political dice. And uh, in this state, uh, I hate to say it, but um, being pro-death penalty hasn't hurt one attorney general at no. all or one governor. No. Um, in fact, it seems to, in some cases, it seems to have enhanced their uh, platform. So, you know, he, he probably rolled the political dice um, in a way that makes sense for him and his base. But from a strictly moral standpoint, you know, you know, I, I can't say legal because the death penalty is legal in our state. But from a simply moral standpoint. I don't know why you would want to be characterized as the state who euthanizes animals more humanely than it executes people. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? You're treating <laughs> yeah, animals better. They, they wouldn't do this to a dog. No, they wouldn't. They would not. They would not. Um, and, you know, and, and, I, and I've made two points about this. Um, and, and get your, I want to get your thoughts on both of these. One, um, if you are of the mindset of being, you know, this pro-death penalty, let's you've got to get in there and it's a real deterrent. And these these are these these people have killed people, and we've got to teach them a lesson and show them that this is not the way that we do things in Alabama. All right, okay. And you don't care anything about the humans involved in the from the from the prison standpoint of this, from a prisoner standpoint, from a person being put to death, uh, his standpoint. What about from the victim's family standpoint? Exactly. You know, Holman ain't exactly a vacation locale. Uh, you know, uh, it's, you know, outside of Atmore, which, you know, is halfway from everything. And, you know, uh, so you you have to try the, the victim's family has to travel down there if they're going to go and see the execution. They have to travel down to, to there. If they're not, they still have to deal with a week or more of questions uh, from from media, from uh, from attorneys. They have to watch this whole process play out. They basically have to relive everything that happened however many years ago uh, and go through this whole process. Only then, uh, at at this point, now two thirds of the time, uh, to to have the person that's on death row for the murder of their loved one walk right up to the line. And be pulled back, yep. and have to do it all over again, and you know, in a few months later. Uh, and God only knows if you're going to be able to do it then. So, I mean, how many times are you going to send them down there to do that? So, is that a popular way to do things? The other, the other thing, the other second thing is, uh, is this idea that there's no ground between we got to carry through with this with these executions, no matter what. And oh my God, you're against the death penalty. There's a whole big gap in there right. from, you know, we should be, we should have, if we're doing this, if the, the whole basis of us doing this is that we have so much respect for human life that we have, we're going to impose the greatest punishment on you because you took one. All right. Uh, in cold blood, you took a, a human life and we cannot have that in our state. All right. But we are, we have the moral high ground here. Of, of judging you on your actions for being this deviant person that took another human life. And, but to maintain that, 
we have to have a standard for ourselves. We cannot, the basis of our actions cannot be, well, he killed a lot of people, so what do we care about killing him? Well, then we're no better than him. Exactly. Exactly. So, why, you know, there's got to be this ground in between that we can stand on, and we don't have, you don't have to be anti-death penalty, okay? I mean, I understand yeah. those who are. I do. Uh, but you don't have to be to say that this process should be a hell of a lot better than it is and that Kay Ivey is right to put a stop to it until we figure out why it's not. Yeah. And, 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 and for all of the reasons that you just gave, that should be sufficient. But I'll add another one. All you're doing when you behave, uh, when you behave, what I'm going to say is uh, when, when you're callously indifferent to how you're executing people, uh, all you're doing is inviting more federal scrutiny, mm-hmm. uh, more federal restrictions and interference. So what really is the point? You yeah. know, what, what is the point? How does that advance the, the business of the people of Alabama? How does that help the families who've been victimized? How yeah. does that help anybody in the process? Maybe the only person it helps is Steve Marshall. Because yeah. Steve Marshall can then position himself to be some, you know, uh, you know, to to use Herschel Walker's words, a vampire, vampire crusader, you know, <laughs> um, a blood, uh, you know, full of bloodlust and for righteous bloodlust, you know, um, for to, you know, to to defeat evil, you know, to suck the life out of evil. But I, I don't see any other beneficiary here other than the attorney general and his own personal agenda. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, uh, the, the quote to use Herschel Walker's words was not one I expected to come from you today. Um, <laughs> uh, or for, or on any day for that matter. Um, yeah, you know. uh, uh, and, and listen, uh, as somebody said the other day, uh, Herschel Walker has entered the transfer portal. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. That's great. I love it. That's great. Uh, back to I Texas goes Herschel. Uh, so uh, no, it's uh, you're 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 100 right. And, and that that whole press conference, that's all that was was Steve Marshall helping Steve Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, it's it was a uh, it was just him grandstanding on on this you know tough on crime look for himself and painting Kay Ivey as, um, you know, a soft, uh, you know, person for doing this. And, uh, you know, I, I just, it just is so, you know, what, what bothers me, I think, about this whole process more than anything. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't say more than anything because, you know, the the, the mistreatment of, of human beings and the callousness of it in, in which we go about it now is is really disturbing on a lot of levels for me. But, uh, you know, it, in addition to that is the fact that nobody ever gets held accountable for for these things, you know, for all of these atrocities that are occurring in our prisons. Um, all of them have come across Steve Marshall's desk. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, all the lawsuits, they've all come across his desk. So he's known what a hellhole those places are for years. He is involved uh, intimately in the execution process. He's over there. He was over there for the, all of these, ele- for, uh, at least I know he was over there for, for two of the executions. And so, uh, you know, 
he's engaged in this. So shouldn't shouldn't at some point somebody say, "Hey, wait a minute, man. This is your job, and you're not doing your job very well." Um, you know, I mean, shouldn't the people of Alabama say, "What the hell are you doing, man?" You know, right. I mean, it's yeah, you're, you're you've. This is basically like a you know a, a mechanic that keeps showing up telling you how the you know the, the guy at your uh, your neighbor is responsible for these things when he's supposed to be fixing the car and it's right. just I don't know it is a <sighs> you know it's uh it's it's why we lament um, the decline of newspaper journalism in our state well in our nation but in our state in particular um, you know because uh, if newspapers didn't do anything else, they they were meticulous about the kind of coverage that would keep people informed. Yeah. Uh, TV stations, I think, have tried to do that, fill that gap, some much better than others. And, yeah. you know, uh, in fact, some have done very, uh, I think, uh, have done a more than admirable job of filling that role. But um, But, you know, we all know, those of us who've been in the business for years, you know, and both of us, you and I both come out of the the newspaper business um, mm-hmm. or at least spend a significant chunk of time in the newspaper business. We know that the newspaper reporting is what drove news media coverage. Yeah. You know, it, it, it drove it for radio, for TV, for for, you know, it was the basis of what ultimately now you can only find on the Internet. I yeah. mean. And so, but more we, importantly, it drove public perception. You know, yeah, yeah. And and I and I yeah. think now that's a big problem. Even when you have folks, you know, that that do a good job. I'll give you an example of the stuff that Archibald did in Brookside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it it drove public perception there, and yep. and it and it really changed a lot of things because people got outraged. If people got similarly outraged over. Because there's been no shortage of reporting about these things. You know, lots of people have written, you know, very in-depth uh, stories about uh, what's happened here. I mean, we had uh, Liz Bruning on uh, from The Atlantic and and talked to her extensively about the botched execution. And, yeah, but uh, you know, Josh, the Alabamians are, are not by and large going to read The Atlantic. Oh, I understand. I understand. I'm just saying there. But but her reporting was yes. widely covered, was yeah. widely circulated. You know, AL.com did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of stuff uh, yeah. at APR. We, you know, the Montgomery Advertiser did some things. Uh, and so it, it was it was all out there for people to consume. And the reaction, unlike with the Brookside st- deal, where you know people were just holy shit, they're doing what? They're giving people tickets. Oh my god, you know. And, and unlike that, it was look at these liberals all upset over these criminals. You know, and it's just mm. you know what I'm mm. saying. It's been they they have been so successful in inserting politics, uh, this liberal conservative snowflake, you know, whatever uh, mindset division in every single aspect in which you criticize anybody. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I put something on on Twitter last night about uh, I don't know if you've seen the story about Ted Cruz's daughter, uh, you know, harming no. herself, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. and the outpouring of of I, I saw nothing. If there was something that I didn't see, uh, you know, then somebody can send it to me or show it to me. But I saw nothing but support 
from Democrats and, and people in the middle mm. uh, and, and certainly Republicans as well for Ted Cruz and his daughter and his family, and, and rightfully Ooh. so. And I said, you know, that's the way that it should be. But we have a whole other party out there now that has embraced this callousness and hatefulness and division to the point where when an elderly man was attacked because he was the husband of the Democratic Speaker of the House, Mm -hmm. we had grown people that dressed up like him for Halloween to mock Mm -hmm. him. Mm-hmm. After a vicious attack, we had a whole news organization that talked about conspiracy theories involving him, essentially blaming him for the crime that took place in his home. Mm-hmm. We had all of these things that went on during this. And and that sort of horseshit is 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 now what feeds into the news cycle where you can't get just a basic factual story. I mean, if you I guarantee you, if you sit down with a friend of yours who's a Republican right now, a, Repo- a regular Republican voter. And mm-hmm. said, look, let me show you what's happening in the prisons. Here, here are documented cases from the Department of Justice of what's going on. I guarantee you, by the time you got up with that person, that person would be like, holy shit, man, we really need to do something about that. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. But if I present the same thing in a story in APR or AL.com or wherever, immediately it becomes this left-wing dribble about protecting criminals. Hmm. And you know, you know, and so, and I think I said dribble instead of dribble, but you know, the point still, uh, you know, I, I've watched yeah, a lot dribble. of basketball lately. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but you know what I'm saying? It, it's, yeah. I think that's that. Yes. Yes. Newspapers have declined and, and readership has declined. Uh, but I, I still think there are people that are trying to do good jobs and, uh, and, and putting out good information, uh, yeah. on a lot of, on a lot of things, a lot of complicated issues, but the way people are receiving it now, is wholly different. I, yeah, I believe that's yeah. what I believe. No, I, I so, think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, and and I think it's uh, it's all been really uh, you know newspapers were the great aggregate not to beat a dead horse but they were the great aggregators of information in a way that affected people on a daily basis and intimately yeah. in their homes and we just you know. The some like you said, I mean, there's great reporting that's done, yeah, but it's just not aggregated in the same way, and it's not penetrating our culture in the same way. No, well, I mean, you know, the perfect example of this is January sixth versus Watergate. I mean, mm-hmm. look, look at look at the evidence and the facts and the and everything that we have uh, against, well, or the the two impeachment trials against Trump. You know, look at mm-hmm. all that we have against that man. And then the January 6th stuff and look at the attitudes towards uh, that people have towards that versus what happened in Watergate and the way that people received that information and just said, here's what happened. You know, and it was and they took it and said, yes, we we consume this and, and, uh, you know, in a factual manner by these factual independent news sources. And we we trust what they say. And Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, we they some smart people figured out a way to slowly peel off folks based upon news that they wanted to hear stories that they wanted to believe, um, you know, and that's how that they've been fed information now for the last 20 plus years. And it is hard to break through that noise. No. And yeah. that's how we've ended up where we are, my man. Yeah. At yeah. least in my estimation, you know, no, yeah, yeah. I think it's valid. It's valid. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to slide out. Uh, we'll come back in uh, just a second with uh, Latanya Milhouse, who is the head of the Alabama Democratic Women and who uh, has spent some time over in Georgia of recent, uh, recently uh, to working on the Warnock campaign with some other Alabamians that went over to help out. And you know, we'll get into a nice discussion about what's uh, what led to that, um, where the party is today, who's uh, shoving towards the middle, as you might say. Uh, and uh, we'll see if she has any thoughts. I bet she does. I think so, she does. Yes. Uh, all right. Back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. I'm David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, you listen to me and Josh every week, and we have a blast as we talk about Alabama politics and culture and as we interview newsmakers and journalists about Alabama politics and culture. Thanks for your support of this great podcast, and I hope that you will continue to not only listen, but to share it with your friends And also give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Thanks a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. And uh, we are happy now to have with us uh, Latanya Milhouse, who is the head of the Alabama Democratic Women. Um, And uh, honestly... Uh, somebody that's just out there, you know, trying to win elections for Democrats all over the the Southeast, apparently, uh, with the uh, Movement Lab, uh, I believe is the, the correct uh, organization. And uh, I mean, uh, you're just listening to you talk about what you do and um, and then watching, you know, what's kind of going on in this state uh, and, and what's kind of uh, happening in, in Georgia. And uh, I guess. Give us a little bit about you. Uh, you know, how did how did you get into this? Uh, where you know where? I mean, yeah, we don't we don't have to start at birth or anything, but I mean, it's you know, it's just where, where a little bit of the background and, and how you are, and, and thank you for for coming on and spending some time too. So I, I got involved in politics uh, as a child um, back in the eighties. The unions did the work, and my parents, both of my parents, were very strong union workers, and so I worked and organized um, uh, under my parents in the union. Uh, as a matter of fact, I thought I voted for Jimmy Carter um, for president. I did not. I just worked really hard for Jimmy Carter. I wasn't <laughs> old enough to actually vote for him at the time. Mm-hmm. But my parents were strong union and civil rights leaders. So I kind of worked under them or under their toolage all the time. And so mm-hmm. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. As a matter of fact, I did not know until I went to college that I had the option to vote. I didn't know it was a choice until I went to college. Mm-hmm. And so uh, on Election Day, my first year in uh, at Western Kentucky and Bowling Green, uh, it was raining and uh, I called home. I called collect. I called home. I was like, I can't find a ride. Nobody's going to vote. She said, oh, in this house, you go vote. You better catch a cab or something. You need to walk in the rain. You need to go vote. So I had to try to figure out how to go, how to go vote at that point. I didn't realize until then that I didn't have to go vote. But right here, I, I made a, I made a way. I, I actually called a cab to go vote that day 
um, in college and somebody was there um, that I knew that was already voting uh, and I caught a ride back with them. But I, I actually had to pay for a cab to go vote the first time away from away from home. Right. Um, so that's kind of how that started at a young age. It started with my parents. It was just yeah. a way of life. That's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and then when I went to college, we had, um, I got involved on campus and my first self-organizing gig came from on campus. We had a young guy that had a brother that was a instructor at Western that was running for mayor and had ran three times and could not beat the current mayor. And so this particular time they came on campus and they did a simulated campaign staff on campus. And of course I became the campaign manager <laughs> and the goal was to win that box right around campus. And mm -hmm. so we organized and we canvassed and we knocked on doors, just that box that came to campus. Um, and we actually, he actually won that race <laughs> on oh, our nice. effort in flipping that box. Um, and so that was my first taste of organizing on my own, uh, which was, which was really exciting um, to say the least. Right. Yeah, and so I just came you know, back it home. It is it's great. It's, it's, it's a story like everybody, you know, that uh, you hear a lot for people that, that you get started young and it just uh, something that, that is exciting for, for people that, that leads into to what you're doing now, right? Yes. Yes. Well, it can have the opposite effect with such as my son. He hates politics, but. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this a rebellion thing or what is what is this that he I, hates politics? <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. just his. Uh, he's going through his Malcolm X phase, so he just oh. hates politics. Well, he's political. He's just not partisan. That's what I said. You're very yeah. political when yeah. you do stuff like that. Very yeah. political. That's exactly yeah. what I told him. Yeah. So, so let let me ask you, um, what uh, you were just leading a group of um, of uh, women volunteers. Well, it may not have just been women, actually, volunteers in mm -hmm. in Georgia. Uh, trying to help the Warnock campaign, did you pick up any tips that we could that we could appropriate here in this state? Yes. So let let me touch a little bit about the uh, Alabama Democratic Women before we go to that. Okay. Alabama right. Democratic Women was originally started in 1987 here in Alabama. Um, there were not many women in there that looked like me until 2008. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and okay, so, can you stop stop there for a minute, Latanya, if you don't mind? Sure. Because no I'd like to know. I'd like for you to elaborate on that because you're saying there was about a, if I get if my math is right, roughly a ten year gap, a decade where mostly this was a white female organization. What happened to change that? And 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 how do you assess that from this point today? <laughs> okay, so in two thousand eight. So we're talking 30 years. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You said, oh. 1987. Oh, yeah. 87. Oh, 87. Yeah. I'm sorry. 87. 87. And then um, 2008, it was 13 women that looked like me that were um, in the organization. And it was a statewide organization, but it primarily only existed in Huntsville or in the Madison, North Alabama area. Um, and they have gone through some changes and some chapter shutdowns and started over. And so um, 
this chapter was recharted um, a couple of years ago, and I'm the first African-American president ever to hold this position. So that shift came when um, Sheila Smoot joined the organization and she started recruiting women that looked like her to join the organization. Okay. Um, yeah, see, was, I think I think this is relevant. I think we have to sort of we have to linger here a little bit because no we all know about what's going on now in the in the in the larger Democratic Party, the Alabama Democratic Party, where mm-hmm. the dialogue, um, well, I'll say the subtext, the subtext is clearly race, even though the dialogue may not always be openly, overtly about race. We know the subtext is race, meaning you basically have the Alabama Democratic Conference, historically black on one side, and it seems like everybody else who doesn't affiliate with them, which is mostly mostly white folks, on the other side. Um, I, I agree with that. But here's, here's the thing. I, what I learned from the trip so we can go to what I learned from the trip that is going to take all of us. If you look at our pictures, there's a mixture. There is a, um, we were almost equal in African-Americans and um, Caucasians and Hispanic that was there actually campaigning that day Um, in order for us to change or make the democratic party stronger. We're going to have to work together. Period. Right. So, so Josh and I, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You may not like what I do, or I may not like what you do, or and and or I may not even like you. <laughs> but we need to work together to move our party to the next level for the, for our children, for our future. Right. Like right now, there's no place to get an abortion. Um, and I I have one child, and I've had two medically necessary abortions. Now today. What doctor is going to risk their life or their freedom and their license for me to go have a a medically necessary abortion where it's going to kill me or the child? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So So what doctor is going to risk that today? So, Latanya, on both sides, Josh and I have interviewed people that represent both sides of this, this ongoing debate in the Democratic Party. And both sides say what you just said. They say, we need everybody. We all need to learn how to work together. So both sides are saying that. But mm-hmm. but to be real honest, and Josh, I don't know if you see it differently, but I don't see any indication at all that, that, so working, together, that, but, that working together but, is about to happen. I see no indication. Yeah, but both sides says that, but I need you to come to this side or I need you to come to this side. Mm-hmm. It's not a baby yeah. that you can split. You cannot physically take a chainsaw and split a baby down the middle. So it's like a tug of war. I'm going to pull you over here. Nope, I need you over here. This is the right side. No, this is the right side. There got to be a happy medium. Oh, we're going to keep losing. We're going to keep being dysfunctional and we're not going to be progressive and we're going to stay red. We can be purple. Yeah. This Alabama can be purple. When you went over uh, and, and and spent some time with the folks in Georgia, I know a lot has been said about Georgia because I think it's fairly comparable to, to Alabama in some ways. Obviously, there are some marked differences that we all know about. Uh, but, you know, in, in terms of 
uh, you know, a, a rural southern state that was historically very deep red. You know, we have some some similarities there. Well, did when when they were uh, Stacey Abrams and the group that that try that basically changed this um, uh, that that state that worked for so many years, but nobody knew who she was or anything else. Did uh, I, I don't know? Did you ever have you ever heard from them about their experiences? Did they have some of these same growing pains and some of these same, some of the same infighting? And if so, how did they how did they overcome any of that? So here's the funniest thing that I heard the other night on um, MSBNC. MSBNC. There you go. Thank you. Messing up the acronyms. Thank you. Um, The guy was talking about Stacey Abrams and her efforts and that they needed to duplicate them in other states, other Southern states. And someone asked her about that. And her response was, what worked for Georgia it's not going to work for Mississippi, Louisiana, or Alabama. They need to devise their own plan and figure out what works for them. Mm-hmm. So for Alabama, what or what worked in Georgia, I don't think it's going to work for Alabama. Right. Right. Because we we have the interests. We need a happy medium. <laughs> right, right. I, I was just saying well, I was more so about you know, the, the, whether or not they experience some of the same, not necessarily the plan. Now, I, was, I, I know what you're saying. I, and I agree with you about the plan. I've heard that from others before as well. And, uh, but, uh, I was just more wor- uh, like, cause they were, they faced no matter what plan they used at, at a point, they were staring at kind of the same uphill battle that the Alabama Democrats are staring at right now. And what did they, I was just wondering if they also faced any of the same adversity within the party, uh, this tug of war that's gone back and forth. Uh, and if so, they did they did. overcome it? They did. They did. Um, they, I don't know if they overcome, over, overcame it. They pushed through it and they pushed down the middle. So dragging both sides with them, pushing down the middle. And I think um, that we need to be able to push through it. Yeah. Um and if we're not pushing through it, we're going to remain red and we're going to keep going back farther and farther into the red instead of coming to the purple, to the light. This is what I call it, coming to the purple light. <laughs> yeah, run right towards the purple light. We're just going to keep going farther and farther away into the red. Right. What, yeah. what, is, what does that mean, though? What is push to the middle, you know, and, and dragging people with you? I mean, that's what so does that actually example, mean functionally? Sure, what is that? Sure. Prime example, and I'm I'm not I'm I'm gonna leave the names off, but I'm gonna leave it to you to understand. Um, this bus going to Georgia, um, I got money from. Um, it was sponsored by one side. <laughs> this side over here says, "Well, my people not getting on the bus because this person paid for it." Okay, well, guess what? Give me this money over here and I'll exclude this. Well, we don't have it. Okay, well then put your people on this bus and we're going to go to Georgia. Those are conversations that I literally had to deal with in preparing to go to Georgia. So eventually, eventually, eventually this side over here did not hurt me. Uh-huh. They did not prevent their people from going to Georgia, going to Georgia. They didn't encourage them, but they didn't work against me. 
and going to Georgia. So I pushed through it. I pushed down the middle. I kept yeah. pushing. Like, I'm not going to do what you want me to do because I'm going to help. This is a, de- I'm doing something for the Democrats and we're going. Now, if you don't want me to take money from over here, then give it to me over here. Right. Uh, does it, man, that's got to be so frustrating. So I just I mean, pushed down kinda, the middle and I, yeah. I grabbed, I grabbed people from both sides, like a tornado. I just pushed down the middle and it grabbed up people from both sides. And we went and we got on that bus. Hmm. You know, it, hmm. it's what I say to people all the time. All right. I may not agree with Joe Reed. I may not agree with Doug Jones on things. I may not agree with Tabitha Eisner on things. I may not agree with, I may not agree with, you know, this person or that person, but I know this. I agree with all of those people a hell of a lot more than I agree with any of the Republicans. Uh, on issues. That's correct. That's right. And That's I correct. don't understand right. why we can't get to a point. If, I mean, look, you're you're killing yourself over here, mm-hmm. you know, working and, and trying to do the, the right thing and help the party and push people forward and push uh, and, and do good work. And in the meantime, you're also babysitting people uh, that won't get on a bus because somebody else paid for it to go do a good thing that they all agree with. That's what kills me, is they all agree with what the purpose is, and, oh and, and God, nobody God thought, mercy. wait a minute, why am I here? And, and I guess <sighs> that's what I don't understand. And I know this is this was not a conversation that we had planned with you, and, and, I, and I don't expect okay. you to have have all of the answers for this thing either, and, and I expect you to be equally as befuddled by all the attitudes. But it just, it it drives me crazy from an outsider's perspective. So, I mean, my God, from inside it, trying to work mm-hmm. and do these things, it must be, uh, it must be just, just so frustrating at times. If you allow it to be, um, my goal, and this is funny because someone said it to me yesterday, I understood the assignment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a popular TikTok video or song or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, I understood the assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the assignment was to get Democrats over to help this other Democrat win because it's going to help us all in the Southeast in the long run to get him over the over the threshold. That was See, the assignment. As, uh, as some people, Period. as some people would say. In some of the uh, areas of the world I hang out in, that'll preach. I like that. <laughs> you understood the assignment. Y'all should make T-shirts for that, yeah. honestly, and just yeah. pass about, and that be the Democratic motto for the next year or so: is we understand yeah. the assignment. Mm-hmm. So my my um, you know uh, my appeal to you, and I'm gonna go ahead and just put it out there. Uh, my appeal to you is to lead, continue leading as you have been leading. Because as Josh just said, um, you know, we're not going to agree with everybody on everything. And every person that Josh named, I disagree with them about something. (laughs) And sometimes more than something, more than just one thing. Sometimes I got a you know, I, I won't I won't call names, but there are a couple of people Josh named. I got a long list of stuff that I'm <laughs> that I'm pissed off about. But you know what? As pissed off as I may be with one of those people or two of those people that Josh named or three of those people that Josh named, 
Oh, he only named three. three. <laughs> well, then there you go. I'm pissed off with all three of them. Got something. And and I'm gonna just say, as much as that may be true, I would vote for them or support them any day of the week before I would support Katie Britt or Tommy Tuberville with their politics and the tone sometimes that they use. Um, you know, and, and, and just about everybody else on that side. So we got to figure this thing out. So I'm saying to you, Latanya Millhouse, dang nabbit, you got to lead. You got to lead. You got to fill the void. You got, somebody's got to bring healing. Somebody's got to build a bridge. Somebody's got to take responsibility for this thing. And and I'm going to stop there because I, I'm, I'm very between I'm very between church talk and profanity. So I just need to stop. But there you go. That's what I got to say. I, I understand. I completely understand the, the caught in between the middle. <laughs> I, I get that. But, um, yeah, I think you will see some progressive things from Alabama Democratic women for 2023. We have um, we have a lot of races on the line, local races on the line. And it's funny because I, I went on the radio um, leading up to this trip promoting it. And, you know, people were calling in saying, well, where was this report? Where was the support for um, Will Boyd? I don't know. Where were you for Will Boyd? <laughs> Oh, don't get me started on that. Because yeah, don't get me started we, we want to be paid for everything that we do. But if you're a diehard, want these Democrats to get elected, we don't have that kind of money. We don't have Republican money. We don't have long money like that. You as an individual can donate two hours a week to a candidate such as a Will Boyd. And either you can knock on doors for Will Boyd or you can make phone calls for Will Boyd. Two hours a week. If we had, if Will Boyd had 10 people that donated two hours a week, he would have made a significant difference in this race. And it don't have to be the same 10 people. You don't have to donate. You can donate two hours a month, but asking two other people to donate two hours a month to a candidate such as a Will Boyd, Mm. we would have made a difference. Can I also add to what you're saying? And, and, and if you disagree, feel free to disagree. But I'm going to say I think we also have a problem in that that two hours that you're talking about, you know, whether it's for Will. And by the way, I was, I'm, you know, I was one of Will's consultants. So you're, you're really hitting home for me right now. But whether it's Will or Kim Lewis or, or Mar- Marilyn Lands or whoever it is. You know, if we could begin to acculturate ourselves to just saying, you know what, I might not be able to give $100 or $1,000, but I can give 10 I can give 15 If we could get, I can give 20 You know, if we could get Democrats across the state to just say, at the bare minimum, all of us who are, who are voting Democrats, you know, if we could just give at least 20 to $25, you know, to, um, I'll say, uh, for sure, the major statewide campaigns, you know, 
You know, you, we had mm-hmm. we had somebody running for governor, U.S. Senate, AG, Secretary of State. You know, if if each one of us could have done that, you know, it would have made a difference to those candidates. Okay, so I'm gonna hop on a soapbox. I'll get. Right. I'm gonna get right off of it, but I'm gonna hop on a soapbox. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, um, at the end of my campaign, because I ran for state rep, I asked. Um, I asked 750 people that I needed 100 people to give me $25 to carry me over the threshold. Hmm. I needed $2,500 at the end of my campaign. Hmm. With that $2,500, I I could have paid for poll workers, a radio ad, and another mail out to my super voters. Hmm. I was not able to raise that $2,500. I had 33% of the vote with limited to no money. I I had maybe $6,000 and my opponent raised well over a hundred thousand. Right. And I had 3% of the vote. I didn't have any poll workers. Nobody worked the polls. Nobody passed out my stuff at the polls. And I had 33% of the vote. Those are organic votes. If I had had that $2,500 at the end of the race, 10 days out, I probably could have beat him. Hmm. Or, no. if I had a had, or if I had a had those 10 people to donate two hours that last two weeks, mm-hmm. it probably could have made a difference. You know, it, um, hmm. uh, you know, because uh, you're, you're not alone in this and you know that. Uh, your story is not uh, is is not very different from from the story of a lot of Democratic candidates that ran in the in the most recent elections. And well, I, um, I ran against another Democrat. It was it was a forty year incumbent, but all right. So yeah. I ran against another Democrat. Well, so I, on name recognition alone, he just yeah. not based yeah. on work, but name on name recognition alone. It it just. Um, it's, it seems like that there is, um, well, it doesn't seem like it. This is the, the reality of it is, is, is first of all, when we're, when we're talking about uh, Democrats versus Republicans, they're going to have a huge monetary advantage. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's built in, you know, it's, it's the same way uh, you know, we talked about Georgia, it's the same way over in Georgia. It's why uh, Stacey Abrams lost Brian Kemp is because businesses get comfortable with the leadership that's in place. They have their contracts. They have, they know how business is being done. They state that's who they fund. That's who they give money to. And so, but, to change that, it seems to me, and you're you're obviously way more involved in the day to day of this than than I am. So you can tell me anything that, that I say that's wrong here, and, and believe me, I've been told I was wrong once or twice before. Um, and um, but uh, what what was that smart day? That was, <laughs> that was very brief. Uh, but um, I um, it seems like there should be a mechanism in place the the state party. Uh, being the optimal one, I would say, that could go and make inroads with a lot of the businesses in Alabama. Uh, Because it does seem as though a lot of these businesses have become very disenchanted with Republican leadership over the course of the last four to six years or so because of, uh, you know, contracts aside, 
They also see some of the policies that are coming out, the transgender bathroom nonsense, the, you know, the, uh, of the abortion ban, all of these things. It, it seems as though they're driving away businesses. And we're in a time where we see what's happening in Birmingham and in Montgomery, where Randall Woodfin and Stephen Reed and, uh, and the policies that they've had in those cities seem to be pulling businesses towards them. Uh, it seems like what we're missing here is that entity that could make those inroads and create a campaign funding arm that that they you just don't have in the Democratic Party is that am I wrong about that? You're not wrong, but I'm gonna go back to one. You're not wrong, but my okay. answer is not. I'm not gonna answer how to how to correct the Democratic Party, but I'm gonna go back to one of your other questions. Was um, basically what what Stacey Abrams mechanisms can we put in our state and make those things run happen? Um, and I know we've all uh, heard this before. Um, they're not coming to save you. So we've been looking and waiting on the Democratic Party for years. We have not had a Democratic governor for 20 plus years. They're not coming to save us. Mm -hmm. If we're waiting on that, it's not going to happen. So one of the one of the slogans that I, I pulled off of um, Warnock's campaign, when they ask you to door knock, it's like, get off the sideline. Basically, it said, get off the sideline, get your shoe, get your walking shoes on and come knock doors with us. Basically, it said what I what I read was get off your ass, <laughs> knock on these doors because we need your help. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I read. <laughs> OK, yeah, so, OK. They're not coming to save us mm -hmm. as a group. We need to get off our asses and go down the middle and pull whoever, whoever really truly believes in the democratic process. They're going to get sucked in with this funnel down the middle. And, and you're right. That, that is what needs to happen. But in order for that to happen, unfortunately, um, you know, people are, are like sheep. We need a leader. We need to see somebody doing it we need to it needs to be modeled for us for us to go oh yeah we can do that mm -hmm. and then for us to garner the courage to do it so that's why i go back to what i was saying to you earlier there's a void in leadership right now well some people would debate that maybe i shouldn't say there's a void in leadership but i'll just say we've got to divide it right the house in terms of leadership and i would argue that that creates a void so from the outside, we need somebody who's not beholden to Randy or Joe or Tabitha to say, you know what, or Doug to say, you know what, um, let's let's do this thing. And who has the platform to do? But it. in order to make it happen, you need all of those pieces, and that's what but, I keep trying to tell people. If you you're over here, maybe when they see you start, I'm, that's what will happen. Yeah. Well, I, and I did. I worked. Yeah. Listen, I'm not going to kick this person out and I need you to come on in. Right. And I, I'm going to yeah, keep looking. Yeah. I pushed, I pushed down. I pushed that bus all the way yep, to Georgia. That's right. Get right on. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What? 
right, and let, before we let you go, because I know we've kept you a little longer than we promised, uh, but uh, we've enjoyed You're the good. conversation. Yeah. Um, where where are things with the Alabama Democratic women uh, now? Uh, uh, how is how is membership? How do you, how do you feel like things are going there? And uh, if people if if other women not people but other women want to join, uh, you know how do how do they go about that? How do they how can they get organized? How can they how can they get in contact with their their local? I assume there are local chapters of these now. Uh, this outside of just uh, just the Huntsville area. They are local chapter interests. Mm. So our membership is um, not as at its highest. We haven't COVID kind of put us in a um, in a funk, just mm. to be honest about it. So we just started to get our momentum back. Um, so you can go to our website and we have Alabama Democratic women and a few good men. So you can go to the website and become members of, you just can't be a voting member of the Alabama Democratic Women. Um, Our dues, our yearly dues. seems very sexist, but okay. Go ahead. Our yearly Mm -hmm. dues is $10. Right. Now, periodically we'll send out stuff asking for a donation. Um, We're going to send out one before the end of the year asking to help cover some of the cost of this trip to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And some of the training that we want to do in the top of the year. So we're we're looking to do some. Um, now I have um, thirteen committees that you can get on. So it's plethora of things to do. We have women veterans. We have a LGBTQ committee. So we have a plethora of issues that you can join through the Alabama Democratic. And if it's not one that you are interested in, just call me, we'll add another interest. We'll add another committee. I'm okay with it because it's gonna take all of us to make this happen. So you can go to our website and become a member, which is, now I knew I should have been prepared for this. I knew you were gonna ask me this, right? Right. Well, that's, you know, it's fine. It's, uh, you know, I'm assuming it's not just Alabama Democratic Women dot org or something. Uh, so it's uh, no, it is. Yeah. We have a Facebook page. We have a Instagram. We have Twitter. Um, we have everything except um, TikTok at this moment. And we have a, a website and it is AL Federation of Dem Women. Dot com. So that's AL Federation of Dem Women dot com. But if you go to our any of our social media um, pages, it will have the link on there and you can simply click on the link and it'll take you to our, our pages. We do have a mailing list. If you would join our mailing list, we are planning our huge conference in March of next year. We we are currently having our membership meetings or our meetings um, virtual via Zoom, but our meeting in March, we're looking to have it um, in person. Um, our national conference is going to be held in New Orleans. And so we're going to do a uh, train ride to New National Conference. So we have a couple of things going on and we're going to do some training. Um, I'm going to go back to another issue that, or question that you asked that I didn't clarify. 
we also not not just need to support our candidates. We need to groom and find the right candidates. Mm-hmm. Just because mm-hmm. I'm a Democrat does not make me the right candidate for a position. That mm-hmm. also splits the party. When you don't have a right candidate and people said, I'm not voting for this person, but they're a Democrat, vote for them anyway. Yeah, it don't work like that most of the time. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of challenging to keep the party together. And I think that should be a party effort to make sure that we have the right candidates running for positions. And that yeah. they're electable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we we can all we can all agree with that, and um, and I think listen, I think we can all appreciate what you're doing, and uh, and you know, <laughs> trying to trying to shove through that middle, uh, and and we wish you we wish you well with that, and and really do appreciate you spending some time uh, with us today, and uh, yes. and all the work that that you're doing. Uh, you know, if uh, if we can uh, be of any assistance, you you be sure to reach out here, and we'll we'll do anything we can to to try to mm-hmm. uh, anything that gets this party back towards the middle and working together, uh, so we can have a viable second party in this state. By God, we're all for it. We'll we'll help you in any way we can. Yeah, and we know that's not going to happen overnight. We're not going to be able to snap our fingers and it magically happens. I wish yeah. I wish that would be the case, but uh, we know that's not going to happen. It's going to take some work, uh, some bruises and some bumps. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, um, some cuss words and some fights <laughs> to get to where we need to be. Uh, and it's going to take some of those some of those people behind the scenes fighting those fights for the others to make sure that mm-hmm. we're we're getting those. Um, issues done that we need to have done because we got several issues that we need to talk about. We 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 don't have Medicare expansion. You got first of all before this, black women were dying an alarming rate due to lack, lack of health care, and after COVID, it, it I'm just waiting to see what the numbers are. Mm-hmm. And we don't have Medicare expansion, so black women are dying at an alarming rate due to lack of health care. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many, uh, you know, mm. what, what gets me all the time is, is that there are so many uh, issues that are very, very popular with the average Alabamian that is out there currently right now voting for Republicans. I um, mean, uh, issues that, that are supported by Democrats that uh, we just we can't seem uh, you know, to, to get our messaging uh, from and when I say I, I mean the progressives of all shades, uh, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it just you can't we can't seem to break through that noise that's here. And uh, and but listen, thank you for for what you're doing, and and thank you for spending the time with us today. And and you know, God bless you. I hope uh, I, I wish you yeah. well. And and if we can yeah. be of any assistance, you let us know. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, and I, I appreciate you guys having me. Yes, I look right. forward to it. Yes, that is, uh, that is the Tanya Millhouse. So she's uh, she's shoving <laughs> through the middle. She's uh, she's trying. I'm pushing through the middle. I'm pushing through the middle. <laughs> she's pushing through that middle. And uh, all right, let's uh, let, let's slide out of here. We'll come back, wrap this thing up in just Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. Hey 
Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at Outbound Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be, uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections, uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics this week. Josh Spoon, David Person, uh, you know, appreciate Latanya Millhouse. She was great, and, man. Uh, some, she was she great. Was, she was good. Uh, uh, you know, and I, I hope that uh, some of these folks who want to push to the middle, um, you know, and, and push through the that's eventually where we get to, and they they can have some success in that because uh, God knows we need it. Uh, we we have got to get a second party, a second viable party in this. Amen. State. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we we got a we got a show to do here. Uh, so uh, our our next top story. I don't know if that's a big issue or not, but uh, our, next, our story. next story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our next story, our top story. Because we, we only had one top story and we got to yeah. 18 minutes in. Um, and so, um, so maybe yeah. not our top story. Uh, but uh, Perry Hooper is uh, finally seems to be uh, putting this whole sexual assault business to bed. Um, got himself a deal worked out. I'd love to know exactly how much he had to pay. Uh, this young lady who he sexually, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly sexually assaulted. I hope a truckload. Uh, at the. Uh, well, do we have uh, to say allegedly uh, anymore since he apologized? He he, he apologized. I get. Oh, he, yeah. So so he he definitely yeah. did something. Yeah. Right. Uh, he calls well, otherwise. I mean, and he called it you know inappropriate mm-hmm. behavior or mm-hmm. unacceptable behavior. Unacceptable. Yeah, it behavior. may not have been. Uh, act for act what was reported in the media, but clearly he did something inappropriate to that young woman that was so egregious that he had to, as you said, he had to pay her off. I hope, I hope, I hope he had to pay her six figures though. I know, I know it probably, they they came up with something. Um, they, they came up with some sort of a deal. Um, and so, um, yeah, he he paid some. I, I assume he paid that. You know, they he she said that they had come uh, to a reconciliation yeah. of some sorts in a statement where she asked that he not be uh, tried anymore, that the, the charges be dropped. And so it, with that, the the DA said, you know, listen, if you're not going to cooperate, we're we're not going to have a case, and so we just we're going to drop it now. And so that's what they did. And then just a few minutes after uh, they dropped the charges officially, uh, the uh, 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 his his attorney uh, came out with a with a uh, apology. It was you know a few sentence long apology, but he was, you know, he was he he was very direct in apologizing and saying that he had acted in in you know unacceptably mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, he hoped that wished her well and uh, I'm sure she he wished her you know he guaranteed her to be doing a little better with you know with financial considerations, but you know, that was not in the apology. So we can only right. speculate. It's speculation, but, but I think it's probably true like you. Um, and, um, and I'm glad I, I'm happy for her because she used her power in a way that was beneficial for her. 
And she she didn't want to go through a trial. I don't begrudge her that at all. Uh, if she got a payment out of it, I'm happy for her. She got an apology. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for her. And what I hope it will do is it will remind us men, because we seem to be the ones who are most in violation of, uh, of the rights of women to have ownership over their own bodies. I hope it reminds yeah. us men and boys that we have to keep our damn hands to ourselves. You know, and other body parts to ourselves, you know, and that we have yeah. to, you know, we cannot just, you know, and I don't care if alcohol is involved or not. And, and we don't really know in this case whether it was or not, even though I think it probably was. Uh, but nonetheless, whether alcohol is involved or not, there is no excuse for it. There's just no excuse yeah. for what it is described that he did to this woman. No excuse yeah. at all. Yeah, no, there, there's there's not, um, and uh, and you're you're a hundred percent right. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who were around them that night, and and I do think alcohol mm-hmm. was involved. Um, you know, I I don't I don't care for for Perry Hooper, uh, his and his politics, and you know, I've generally found him to be very off putting, uh, just outside of politics. Um, you know, when I first dealt with him in in sports and. Uh, when I was working at the Montgomery Advertiser, it, it just, I, I never, I never recall a very font, a very good interaction with him, uh, you know? And, and so uh, now, you know, I know people who know his family. Matter of fact, I've met, I met some of his family before and, and they, I, I have had very good interactions with them. And I know a lot of people who respect his son, who's a physician in Montgomery uh, and his mother, uh, both very well respected people in, in Montgomery and, um, and so, you know, uh, maybe this is going away kind of, kind of helps the, his family in some way, because I think, I don't think they, they didn't deserve the actions that right. he took, uh, to be reflective great, upon them. And point. it's unfortunate that he still has such a public image out there that, uh, that it still somehow harms him when he does these crazy things. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm with you. I hope that, you know, she got all she could get and, uh, that it, it, it helps her life. And, you know, and she, she is happy and comfortable and has, has herself Amen a Merry Christmas. That. Amen. Uh, that. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it's good. Um, I tell you what, because, cause we're going to discuss this for a little while. We can go ahead and get into our right. right wing nut of the week. Um, and, and he's, is an oldie, <laughs> but a goodie. Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving as cousin Eddie might say, it is Magamo hmm. Brooks, uh, who is, not so mega yeah, no Not mo. so mega no um, I love that. That's great. Uh, you know, uh, did you see the story that we wrote about? Yeah, this? I believe I did. I've, yeah, I've read several pieces. About? I believe ours was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they the, had the audio from him speaking to the group in Tuscaloosa. I did not listen to the audio, but I remember seeing uh, yeah. that. I just read the story. You know, yeah. it's just him talking to this group in Tuscaloosa and basically saying, all of that MAGA stuff was him being phony. Uh, that uh, it was all a big ruse. He was never in love with Donald Trump. And really, Donald Trump's an awful person who nobody should get behind. And he's a loser and he loses all the time. And what about that big loser, Donald Trump? And I can't believe Republicans are doing this. So there, to answer your question, I'm voting based on four or five different things. 
And I'm going to vote for the person who I believe is of the best interest of America. But if they're bad on some of these issues, I'm not voting for them regardless of political party. Yes. So, Congress, in 2016, you were pretty critical of President Trump when he ran in that primary. Um, yes. And, and then, I his honesty. That was a big one. Yeah. And then I think when you ran and you called him deceitful today, but when you ran for higher office in the Senate, you kind of retooled yourself as a Trump Republican. Well, um, I was, no. I was a conservative America first guy long before Donald Trump was on the scene. I was an America first guy back when Donald Trump was pro-abortion, pro-open borders, and a Democrat. So, with that being said, why did you seek his endorsement if you had a moral because opposition? Because he has such a large influence over a large number of voters. Simple as that, man. But you will note that I never recanted any of the comments I said about his dishonesty in 2016. So you, I, I knew I was playing with fire yeah. when I ran the United States Senate, and I knew I could not rely on Donald Trump when he gave me his word that he would endorse me and he would stick through me it, through, through the end. And he also gave me his word later on that he, under no circumstances would he ever endorse Kate Green. That's two of the three times where he broke his word. And, he st- and can we just be uh, clear? He was talking to the University of Alabama college Republicans, right? Yes. I wonder what what these young men and women thought as they listened to this man say this. Uh, you know, it just, the hypocrisy is so off the charts. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's just, and, and, oh, oh, and listen, what he's saying is, is a thousand percent yeah, true about Donald yeah, Trump. Nobody, okay. And, <laughs> and, and what he's saying <laughs> It is exactly true about all of these Republicans who have cozied mm-hmm. up to Donald Trump. The problem is, is he is one mm-hmm. of those Republicans, <laughs> you know? And so, what the fuck are you talking and, about, and, you know? And, and, I and, mean, he, and he seems to be suggesting to them, it's okay to be disingenuous. It's okay to lie to the public yeah. if it advances your political agenda. Or if you think it will advance I mean, your political agenda, it's okay to it's okay to get in bed and play footsie with somebody that you really can't stand and don't agree with if it will advance your political agenda. Uh, but what gets me is is th- is this is you, you look at it and you're like, wait a minute, weren't you right. Magamo and didn't you have this right. on your signs and all this stuff? Yes, and all that's true, but. That's where I think a lot of people stop. And we should remember that not only was Mo Brooks MAGA Mo, he was one of the original MAGA guys. He was the dude who was out there first talking about uh, the stolen election and, and going to Congress and overturning the election because Donald Trump won and was up on there with a bulletproof vest giving a speech you know, and talking about kicking ass. You everybody remember this? This is this is this guy. This is this guy. Okay, the same guy leading the charge. And you know, of of basically a coup. You know, he was part of the coup, and now he's over here talking about. Oh, there's a uh, Donald Trump is blah 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 blah. What? what? <laughs> and, and it's all because Donald Trump turned on him and backed Katie Britt. That's the only reason he's saying these things now. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. It's just like, and and you know, the thing of it is, is you know that Mo Brooks is not alone. Yeah. And and what I let me ask you this: Do you think, judging by the results of the last election, do you think that the American people have taken a look at all these people and said, "Y'all are lying." Hmm. You know, it's so hard for me to say goodbye <laughs> to yesterday, boys to men. It's just so hard for me to really understand the thinking of the the magas the 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 maga voters and and even uh-huh. some of these republican voters when it comes to this question because i i just you know i guess for me you know i'm a yes i'm a partisan person but mm-hmm. but i don't like this disingenuous stuff, whether you're in my party or not. So if you're a liar and a thief in my party, then you're not getting my vote. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care if you're, you know, and I won't name any names, but there was a major candidate. And this was some years ago, so I don't want anybody to think this was recent because it wasn't some years ago within the past. I'll say within the past 20 years, there was a Democrat who I just thought was just didn't have integrity running for statewide mm-hmm. office. And I said, you know what? Not vote for that guy. Vote for the Republican. And I did. Because I thought, even though I disagreed with the Republican, on 90, mm-hmm. probably 98% of his politics and policies, I thought at least this guy seems to be competent and seems to be honest. As opposed to this mm-hmm. guy over here. So, I mean, that's where I am. And I know that doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of Democrats happy. You know, a lot of Democrats just think, oh, just, you always vote with the family no matter what. Not me. I'm sorry. No. 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 Uh, no. I'm not. I've railed against straight mm-hmm. ticket voting, you know. And because it's, it's not, you don't, that's, that's cheap. You don't have to work. You don't have to go out and, and talk to people. You don't have to listen to them. You don't have to do the things you're supposed to do. If somebody's just going to bubble in a little Republican or Democratic bubble at the top of this thing and you get to ride the coattails of others uh, and, and not do what you're supposed to do, no, that ain't That's the way right. this works. You're supposed to represent the people that you That's right. represent, That's right. you know, and, and, and to do it well. And they And listen. It works both ways, though. These people are supposed to be out there listening to their representatives and and saying, yeah, you don't represent me. Here's my issues. What are you doing about this? You know, what are you doing to lower the school taxes or the, or raise the school taxes or, you know, or, or make sure that we're getting better funding for for this, for this or that? You know, why, you know, are, are we not doing those things? And, you know, so, I, yeah, no, man, I'm with you 100 percent. I just... It's just so you look at the results of the last election and they were really surprising on a lot of levels. And they were really surprising from the Trump mm. uh, side of this, because I, I don't know of one Trump backed candidate who won. Um, J.D. Vance, I think. 
Did he? Yeah. Did he win? I mean, did he? Was he really a Trump uh, I believe guy? he was really a Trump guy, or at least Trump okay. endorsed him. And he won in Ohio. He did win in Ohio. Yeah. But I think he's the only, yeah. as, I, as far as I can recall, he's the only major uh, candidate that Trump backed that won, as far as I can recall. Okay. Well, um, uh, there were a whole slew of them who didn't. Uh, and some of them were supposed to win and didn't. And and it just kind of seemed like the whole, you know, on, on the whole, Americans t- have taken a look at this and said, you know, we don't we don't want any more of this. Uh, we don't this this stuff. What you've done over the course of the last couple of years or even longer uh, where, you know, you've called into question the election process, where you've tried to undermine the Constitution, where you've stolen the documents, where you, you know, you, you've. Uh, claim that you, you didn't lose, you won in a landslide, when we can all see that you have no evidence of even slight fraud, uh, certainly nothing that would have made any sort of a difference in the outcome of the election, much less giving you a landslide victory. My God. You know, um, I, I, it just seemed like people got tired of that, um, that they have, they they took take, took a look at it and said, this ain't for me, man. This is, it ain't normal. You know what I mean? It ain't. The, the, a lot of these people, they just, as uh, a man uh, from uh, uh, from Louisiana, uh, was, was, you know, was I, uh, oh, uh, James uh, Carville. Long time. Yeah. Carville, yeah. As Tra- Carville said, a lot of Republicans have turned damn weird, um, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. and that's true. A lot mm-hmm. of this Trump stuff is just damn weird, what? you know? What they're pushing and what they're saying, and I don't—I think a lot of people have well, been I think turned there's off. There's a by level it. of fatigue for sure, but you still have, but you still have, and I mean, Georgia's a great example of this. You still have, for whatever reason, Raphael Warnock only won by what was it, a hundred thousand votes or so, and you yeah. think, well, geez, I mean, looking at looking at Herschel Walker, evaluating him. Not just politically or from a policy standpoint, but from a competency standpoint. How in the world did Warnock <laughs> not win by a million votes? I mean, you know, I it's know, just really man. bizarre. That's why I say I don't really, I don't understand how people look at a, a Herschel Walker. He's a hypocrite. He's incompetent. He did, didn't seem to have any kind. I mean, the guy was asking what pronouns were. Really? 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. And, and, then, and it seemed to think he was running for the House. It, like last week, he thought he was running for the House. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean and, seriously, and, there's, a part, there's a whole quote about him talking about getting the House back so yeah. they could get the committees. I mean, he yeah. was like, what? And, and, and God bless him. And he said him, it like know, three times I, in there about the I, House. I think I told you, my, uh, I have a cousin who was an Olympic bobsledder, and, uh, and he says that Herschel Walker uh, was an Olympic was a bobsledder also, and he thinks that that Walker is suffering from uh, the CTEs that some of the yeah. uh, some of them some of the bobsledders are suffering with, and so I've kind of I, I I try to be careful and not go too far with my criticisms of Walker, but but whatever you want to attribute it to, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and so yeah, but no, yeah. no matter what, no, yeah. I mean no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Um, the the cause mm. of it, it 
you know, people tried to put, you know, it, what was crazy was people talking about Fetterman, who we know had a yes. stroke and is yes. recovering from it. And they're like, well, he's unfit yeah. for office. What? You know, I mean, completely you, different. Yeah. Have you listened to this other guy? Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's and, and that this is fairly permanent for mm. Herschel Walker. Um, you know, you had no. You had no inclination at all that this guy was ever going to to get better at what he was doing because he never got better in the campaign. And I mean, it was one of the funnier things I saw was uh, they somebody sent out a Georgia sample ballot and it had uh, uh, Raphael Warnock uh, on the top line and on the second line was Herschel Walker, but always with Lindsey Graham by his side. <laughs> and I mean, you know what I'm saying? At some point, Lizzie wasn't going to be there. The innuendo and, uh, embedded uh, and, in that uh, observation is hilarious right. to me. But, yeah, yeah but, right. but, but, you know, Walker actually did have one shining moment. His concession uh-huh. speech was actually not bad. In fact, I, I did not his, hear concession his concession speech, speech. speech was gracious. And was uh, positive about the whole electoral process. I mean, it was kind of yeah. like uh, you know, one of the MSNBC commentators actually said, "Where was that? Where was that Herschel Walker during the campaign?" It was almost like he was a different yeah. guy. It's very strange. Yeah. Huh. I need to go back yeah. and watch that. Then I've got it. I've got the stuff recorded in here, so I just need to yeah. go back and watch it. But I just. Um, I, I don't. I mean, it was. But you know, it, we're back now. Then to 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 Magamo, where there there's this performative aspect. And I guess it's ties kind of in back into Steve Marshall. What we were talking about with him. There's just now this performative aspect of politics that that people seem to think is effective. And honestly, I mean, maybe it's I'm 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 more of a realist. And, uh, you know, and, and I have a hard time seeing the world. I, and I, I know this. I have a hard time seeing the world outside of that realist kind of bubble that I that I view it through, lens mm-hmm. that I view it through, you know. And, and so it's hard for me to watch somebody uh, put on these performances as they do and and, and say the little phrases, uh, you know, and and, ta- and grab onto a tagline and think that's not a normal person talking you know i mean i i relate more closely to to a john fetterman you know who is hey this is how i grew up you know this is what i did you know this is what i'm going to do uh you know here's the union guys that, I, that i'm you know I'm, go, I'm going to bat for here's this guy over here that i you know that i knew and stuff and listen to their credit there are a lot of republicans who can act and, and behave that way as well and that they, they get a lot of votes you know bill clinton was a lot like that Bill Clinton, Barack Obama is a lot like that. Barack Obama has is one of those people that just has the amazing ability to make people feel comfortable in his presence. You know, even though you shouldn't, you should not feel comfortable because he, you know, is out. He's sucking all of the oxygen and light out of the room, you know, around you. But you still you, you watch yeah. people around him, and and he he is so good at coming over to him and just make you know saying it, having a joke or a line or you know a pat on the back or something. And it's, you know, that way. And uh, and there are a handful of Republicans who can do it as well. But it's well, George man, that Bush, performative aspect of, of politics. George Bush, he, yeah, he wasn't, he yeah, wasn't he was, bad. He, was he wasn't bad. You're right. Thought. Yeah. 
Yeah. In a private setting, he is, he is, uh, I'm, I'm told he's, as a matter of fact, I know he is. I've seen him in a private setting. I've been in the same room. That's one of the, one of the few presidents I've been in the mm. same room with, uh, is George W. Bush, uh, surprising. Wow. Enough. And I, I, I thought that day that he was a very engaging guy that you would, as people said at the time, like to have a beer with. You wouldn't want that crazy SOB near the football. <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, because you're pretty sure he couldn't remember the code to get into it. Uh, but, you know, just over there punching buttons and shit. How does this yeah. work again? Uh, but, so you yeah. were in the you were in the same room I, with George Bush. I think I was about 100 yards away from Bill Clinton on the White House lawn. Oh, yeah. And I was literally four feet, five feet away from Condoleezza Rice in the White House. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Nice. But I would nice. but I would have but I would but I would say to be able to especially knowing, you know, seeing him as we've come to see him, I would love to be in a room with George W. Bush. I would love to be able to just mm. chat him up a little bit. And I'd have some tough questions for I, him you know, too, but but I would also, I would be curious to know, I'd, I'd love to hear, hear his response to not only some of the tough questions, but just to continue to get a feel for what kind of guy is he really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think he already <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's that complex. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I honestly, my, mine, is, mine is Barack Obama. I mean, I think he is... Uh, uh, he's just a remarkable, yeah. a he remarkable is. human he being. Uh, and um, I think he views the world in such a very smart and uh, educated way. And, uh, and he is so, so unbelievably mm. eloquent uh, in a way that I'll, I'll never achieve, but it's just the way he uh, taps into just the, every single way he can tap into every single person. It's just, amazing. he's unusually gifted and he's un- highly he intelligent. and. He's got great comedic timing. Oh man, I love. Yes, he's so he is good amazing at that. At that. Yeah. that just, uh, I mean, he he's he's better than than yeah. some of the guys that are getting paid a, a bunch of money for doing it. You know. Oh yeah, he is. Uh, he he is he is very very good. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I, I tell you, man, uh, I, I watched I watched a clip of him on uh, on the Daily Show with uh, with Trevor Noah not too long back, and and they were talking about going out and having their own little mm. two man comedy show. And it was, you thought, well, hell he could, pull yeah, he that actually off. could, uh, yeah. he really could. He actually could. Yeah. Now I'd rather see him with Roy Wood. <laughs> uh, and, and I really hope Roy Wood gets that gig up there, but I mean, it's Roy, Roy Wood has got some, uh, uh, did, have you heard this thing where he, his, his whole, <laughs> he, he believes that Trump is only running for office so he can sell the rest of the magazine. No, no, I hadn't heard him say that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he said he went and bought two boxes of MAGA hats just for democracy. Because <laughs> uh, he can't beat Ron DeSantis. And he had that picture of Ron DeSantis with him wearing those white Dallas Cowboy cheerleader boots. Oh, that's funny. Uh, you know, and, the, and, the, and the vest, you know, over the time. Have you, you've seen that, right? Where he was going to survey uh, hurricane damage and he had on those knee-high white boots. No, DeSantis, no, I actually haven't, no. Uh-uh. Really? Oh, guys, I've seen you this picture. Yeah, he's got, he's got like these, I guess they're just like, you know, rubber waiters. boots to go, you know, into the, yeah, waiters or whatever, but they're like knee high white huh. and white. Uh, 
And uh, he's like, yeah, look at this man. You think Trump can beat this man? He got the conservatives up top, the gay community <laughs> at the bottom. There ain't no way. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious, man. Roy Wood is funny. Oh, my God. He's funny. Yeah. He is. He is. All right. Well, listen, we've given you an extra long mm. show today uh, because we've only got one more before the end of the year. So That's uh, right. You know, yeah. We're coming up on it, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we are. We are. We are. So uh, uh, we're, we're hopeful uh, that, uh, that Kyle Whitmire is going to join us next week, at least for one of our guests. We may get somebody else on as well uh, to see mm-hmm. you know, what's going on. But Kyle and that group, they've got new newsletters going out and he's done a lot of good work. We tried to get him on today, but it's my fault. I contacted too late and um, and uh, so we couldn't get him on this week. But uh, he's got the state of denial yeah. you know, p- uh, stories that he's working on, which are very, very good. I'm, if you I'm in the middle of reading one now that is, uh, wow, it's it's really eye-opening. Yeah. 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 And then he started a new uh, newsletter, the Alabamafication uh, kind of newsletter that, that, that goes out. And I assume it's going out weekly. I don't know. We can ask him when he comes on. And um, But yeah, it's uh, it, read that. Archibald's got one. Uh, Roy Johnson also has one as well over there uh, at, at AL.com. So they are uh, good, you know, mm. good, good folks. And mm. uh, they're trying. Uh, they're everybody's everybody's still trying. So. Uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll see what we can do next week, uh, and you know I don't know maybe somebody will get arrested between now. And then. We'll see. <laughs> These <laughs> days. All right. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Until then, y'all be safe out there. Peace. Mm-hmm.